I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome again to the Adoption Chronicles. Today we've got a very special guest all the way from America. Uh, she's from the east coast of America and we're talking with Emily Sigerson. Welcome to the show, Emily. Hey. Alrighty, so you've got an interesting story that's going to wind around uh, a few different areas in your life. Um, whereabouts did it first start? When you realised you were adopted, I, um, oh, when I realised I was adopted. Yeah, were you to- told early as a as a as a child, or? Yep, I always remember being told that I was adopted. I think. Cool. I think the first like real memory I had was I was like eight. Yep, and your your parents told you early, which is um, which is always a good thing. I I like to think so. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were growing up, then did you feel any different? Um, in with the other kids in the playground, or um, was there any noticeable difference, or it was just part of the deal? Um, yeah, I, I was very introverted as a kid, mm-hmm. um, and quiet, and definitely not like most other most other people or kids. I think the fact that I that I knew I was adopted probably made it worse because then you know you it's like doubly not fit fitting in. I always use the phrase, "You feel like you're an alien on a foreign planet." Yeah, that's a that's an interesting way to put it for sure. Um, so, with that, did you have any, I guess, fantasies about what your life might have been like if you weren't adopted? Oh man, I still have them too. <laughs> <laughs> it's and and I know it wouldn't have made any difference, but I yeah. oh yeah, of course. I think having that whole you know actually been with biological family fantasy was was always a big thing in my life and like you know what if it had been different or what if I had been raised with someone in my family yeah so moving into your teenage years did that get any stronger or um how did that unfold in 
You're a little bit older. Oh, no, it, it did. And I was very um, questionable about things. And my family was the type where it was, um, we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's, it was, you know, it was such a strange catch 22. Like, you know, you're adopted and, you know, we told you were, but you can't talk about it. You can't ask questions about it. You know, right. it's, it was like one of those topics you can't talk about. And I remember when I was 15 and I just like totally broke down and I was like, I need to know like more information. Like I, I want to know about my family and my um, adopted mother gave me like this square piece of paper that was like a photocopy from my adoption file that just had, you know, general information about my biological mother and father. And it, I just remember it being so heartbreaking. I'm like, this is it. Like my whole life is on this square piece of paper right here. And like, you know, it's devastating. Yeah. So it would have been like a, a kettle boiling that couldn't boil. You just had all these... Yeah questions and a conversation that you wanted to have and find out information but there was nothing there to give no not not really it was very it's very generic yeah it was very my my family was very if i talked about it it was like i didn't love them or Mm. i didn't appreciate the things i did for them or you know around that yeah but you just wanted to find out about you yep so did you end up finding out about you um yes it took a very 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 long time but i i did i um started in uh 2000 i think it was 13 and i did the 23andme dna testing and this was when it like first well not when like first came out but Mm -hmm. it would like first was like popular and you could like you know purchase it and i remember that I couldn't legally do it in the state I was living in because I was living in New York. And because New York had a law where you, you couldn't legally do it at that time. Right. But I had to drive, I had to actually drive out of state to mail it out because yeah, as long right. as it didn't come from New York, I could get my results. Wow. Like that's wild to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I guess that's, that's one thing that is similar here in Australia is that they're state laws. Mm-hmm. People move from state to state freely and easily, yet the laws are specific to that particular state. Whereas, uh, is there any talk of the, making those laws federal? Uh, no, they go state by state here. Um, yeah. Most most recently, last I think like two or three years ago maybe two mm-hmm. they just signed it in new york to release original birth certificates really um so so i was able to get it, it but i had already you know found out so it really wasn't anything yeah. of great importance yeah but um but yeah it's gone state by state so it's been a slow trickle of um states pushing for more release of information over right. the last god 10 20 years yep so did you start the search to find your biological parents or did they look for you no no it was me it yep. was me the whole time i went through a lot of phases of like i was all gung-ho and i was going to do it and i did the 20 you know 23 and me and got that information back and was like disappointed time and time again um and so then i would stop and then i would start again and then i would stop right <laughs> and i would start again and it was just this like horrible cycle but i was 
was able to locate a cousin on 23andMe and that cousin and I um, continued to communicate and then did Ancestry. Yep. And then after I did Ancestry, like, I don't know, six months after I did Ancestry, I found a relative and then was able to work with a genealogist to um, locate my biological mother. Right. And how did that unfold? Uh, very strangely. Right. I'm interested. <laughs> <Stably>. Yes. <laughs> Please do tell. Well, you know, it, it, it was odd because, you know, I, I pride myself on my investigative skills. And that's like a joke that me and my adoptee friends have that yep. like, you know, when you're adopted, you become like the PI of like your friend group because yep. you have all these new skills that you've learned through all of this. And, um, a lot of Google searching, a lot of address checking. Mm -hmm. And I ended up writing her a letter. Um, and I sent it to like two different addresses, not knowing whether or not she still lived there. And she lived all the way across the country in California. Right. So, so I, I sent these letters out and of course didn't hear anything. Yep. So working with my friend that was a genealogist, he was able to like get information about other family members and um, also my cousin who had located her family already mm -hmm. um, in New York was able to get information about her family members. And she said, you should talk to this person in the family because they run the genealogy of the family. Right. So I said, oh, cool. So I sent her a letter. Um. And she actually responded and actually called me. Right. Um, and, and we had a phone conversation. And I just remember like bawling my eyes out through the whole phone yeah, conversation. Okay. Yeah. And she actually like sent me um, photocopies of like all of our history and family genealogy for me to like read and look at. And she was like the nicest person ever. Nice. And sadly, she passed away. Ah, bugger. But that's so much. Uh... Ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. But that, that, and you know, she, you know, identified that the person that we had identified, you know, was my biological mother and talked about family stuff in it, but it was, it was probably like the amazing moment in my life. And mm. like, you know, how like everything kind of fits together all of a sudden, cause you have this information. Mm -hmm. So doing further investigation after that, um, and was able to get in contact with like, you know, get phone numbers and what not i was able to find her email so i sent her an email and that was probably the most terrified email i ever sent in my life imagine <laughs> it's, yeah yeah and um she responded but it was a very strange response okay um and on a, you know on the one hand i understand you know some random person on the internet is is claiming to be your child i'd probably be a little sketch too mm. right mm -hmm. but it was but it was a very like business format email and it was like i need proof of like these documents or some kind of information yeah. that this is like legit. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I have them. So I like scan my adoption <laughs> files and yeah, I send them right. to her in an email. And then she does, you know, does say that she, she is my biological mother and um, we plan to do like a video chat. Yep. So you met for the first time over zoom or something like that. Did you? Yeah. Right. Yep. That's, um, I haven't heard that one, but I can understand it absolutely because of the distance involved. Oh um, yeah. And how yeah. was how that, was that? And, you know, it, it was rocky. Yeah. Um I think 
because of all the fantasies and the high expectations mm. I had my whole life mm-hmm. that and I and a lot of people feel the same way. You know, I'm not going to blanket and say everybody feels the same mm. way. But a lot of people feel like, you know, that you're hoping you're going to be, you know, BFFs and like, you know, things yeah. are going to be great and yeah. it's going to blossom into this like, you know, great relationship. But, you know, it sounds um, I did eventually go to see her when she had moved to a different state um, for a short period of time um, in person. And I think the, the, the most interesting and the most shocking thing was just seeing someone that you're related to and like how you have similar height, carry yourself similar, like you have similar habits, you know, and hand gestures and like things that I had rarely seen before. It really does go a a bit of the way to answering some of the nature versus nurture questions that we have. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, We are part of, oh, I guess part of who we are is made up by our experiences, but a big part of us is genetics and that shows, I think sometimes Um, even, you know, like you said, hand gestures, uh, facial expressions, uh, character traits. Did you notice any or, or were you told about any particular likes that were similar or interests or something like that? I was told that I was very similar to like a relative because of my introverted personality. Um, And then I was like my grandfather and, you know, other people that I never met. And Mm -hmm. so I I think that was somewhat helpful, but I I do know that I'm definitely more of my biological father than I am my biological mother at this point. So, okay. So how was the initial face-to-face meeting? How did that come about? And work. How how was it? Uh, it was probably another most nerve wracking thing of my life. Yeah. Um, and it was and it was even more complicated because I was also meeting my um, half brother at the time too. Right. Yeah. Which is right. also like, by the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, were you finding out new information all the time at this point? Where did you find out that? You had your half-brother. Were there any other siblings as well? Or? Well, the strange part of all this is I was, I was raised with my biological sibling. Okay. But we, we, did not, we did not get along. Right. Still don't get along at all. Um, might look similar, but we're definitely different people. Okay. And I, and I realized through this journey that my biological sister is almost exactly like my biological mother. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was very, it was very revealing. Eye-opening. Yeah. Again, with the nature versus nurture, and I definitely think that I was a, I was fortunate to have, like, a, a stable, healthy adult relationship growing up, and that pretty much helped formed me more than just genetics did. Yeah, absolutely. The nurture part, that stable helps the nature chaos sometimes too, doesn't it? Yeah, and I my 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 growing up was definitely not stable, right. not nurturing. So, so uh, yeah. Um. Okay. So, sounds like you've met your father, your biological father, as well. Is that right? No, we. Right. I was able to identify who he was, and 
figure out where he is, but I was unable to get in contact with him. Right, okay. Well, that's a shame. And did you find anything else out about his side of the family? Um, just whatever my biological mother told me about um, culture and heritage and growing mm-hmm. up and their, their relationship. Um, right. I think it's just one of those, you know, people that kind of left it in the past yeah. and doesn't want to rekindle. And that's always something that, that I knew and I've always told other people too, is you have to be ready for the fact that even if you find these people that they don't want to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. And that's, and that's hard. It's really hard, you know, especially all the fighting we do and paperwork yep. and whatnot mm. to, to get to that point and be like, someone's either going to not want anything to do with you, you know, give you five minutes of their time and then, you know, never talk to you again mm-hmm. or, you know, push you off to somebody else. Mm. But. Yep. You do all the hard work and you're around the last band and you hit a brick wall. Yep. Did you find out off your birth mother, the story of why you were adopted? Yes. And I've heard that story from many other relatives and all the stories are different. Oh, really? <laughs> so, Oh, Oh yeah. Yep. Um, but the, the main premise is, uh, that her, her and him were college kids, um, claimed to be very in love and, uh, had, had two children. Um, the first one, you know, they put it up for adoption. And then the second one, uh, was, it was a big struggle, which was me. And she really claims she didn't really want to give me away but ended up doing it anyways um to keep the two children together and because you know finances um culture family issues yeah um, it was it was really in a time of uh well they claim it was family culture it was religious based and right. culture based but in my perspective i think it was just um i think she wanted to kind of move on in her life because right. after I was born. She she left the area and started doing other things, and right. that's that's understandable in my book. Yeah. So realizing now that you were you grew up obviously you grew up with your biological brother, there would have been nope a, sister. Sorry. No biological sister. Oh, sorry, my, biological my sister. Brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how how was that possible? So the adoption. Was there an adoption agency that were able to put you two together again, or? Um, no, it was all done privately uh-huh. through 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 two lawyers, um, right. which made my search very very difficult oh, because yes. of that. Yeah. And and sadly, in America, if you have large sums of money and the mm. means, you can do a lot of things. And nobody ever knows. Because it's all um, kind I of mean, locked up. Yeah, the, the the state knows. I mean, there's still yeah, things yeah, yeah, that you yeah. have to go through, you know, yeah. issues with like children at home and family services and whatnot. But um, yeah, a lot of things got lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Okay. But it's all been unfolded. Yes, after a lot of hard work. Yes. Uh, well done. So, with your story unfolding the way it has. It's shaped you in a way that you want to give back to the adoption community. Tell us how you have done that. Um, well, thanks to the wonders of the internet. <laughs> uh-huh. I, th- I think like, I want to say like, God, maybe five years ago, 
maybe it was last I can't remember but I started doing like you know Facebook group searches Google searches into like adoption resources and like like I didn't know this was a thing or these things existed Mm. and um you know and so then I am finding you know support groups online um uh, and then I found Adoptees Connect um which is a not-for-profit that someone runs here in America that um, runs support groups for adoptees. Yeah. She actually has them all over the world. Now that right. I think about it. And um, I did the, um, participated and was uh, someone who ran them um, three years ago when I lived in New York. Yep. And did that for a while. Um, I've spent most of my life working in mental health and worked with a lot of children um whether it be in um, foster care poverty corrections you name it i've probably worked with a kid going through something and i became a mental health counselor um and went you know went to school for it in graduate school and kind of decided that that's kind of what i wanted to be my my niche was working with people who were adoptees because it was uh something that wasn't being met i'm on a national directory online um called beyond words yeah where um they they list adoptee uh therapists across the united states and maybe canada uh, and also people who are coaches as well okay that's that's really cool um I would imagine, and I, I say a lot on this show that every story is unique, and not only does every adoptee have a unique story, but we were affected by our story in different ways as well. As you're dealing with children, how how resilient are the children to some of their circumstances? Oh man, I think that depends on the situation. Yeah. Um, and you know, what people are going through in their supports, you know, I've, I've met a lot of really great foster parents. I've met a lot of really great adoptive parents. I've also met really terrible foster parents, really terrible adoptive parents. Um, we're just not so great people in general. And and I think it, at the bottom line, it comes from the support that the children get, you know, if they get the support they need or they at least have one like positive, you know, adult in their life that usually they'll thrive and mm-hmm. they will be resilient. But if they're not able to get that support, um, it's rough. Yeah. You know? Adoptees have, have a way higher um, suicide rate. Adoptees are more likely to self-harm. It's, it's sadly not pretty, especially for children, especially in these times right now. Yeah, and there's a lot of different... Um... I guess focus groups that are demanding public attention, and it does feel like the the adoptee community is still a little bit of a silent, not really thought of. We just look after ourselves to a degree. Yeah, it's like we've always been there. I mean, there's been adopted children being adopted since time immemorial, really. Yeah, the the effect on the children is something that hasn't really been considered i don't think until recently um it's really good that you're uh helping in that regard so thank you on behalf of the adoptee community at this point um 
I guess it might be an idea if I tell tell the listeners how it was that um, that we connected um, on my search through the internet, looking for different groups and finding you know a different uh, you know, different people to talk to and 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 connect with. Um, the group that I we touched base on was an anti-adoption group, but it's not really how it sounds, though, is it? No. Can you tell us no, a little there, bit about that? Um, I think there's a lot of groups on Facebook that want to promote, you know, family unification, reunification or support. So they want people to educate others about that there's better ways than, than adoption. Yeah. But again, that's my, my personal perception on it. Yeah. And, you know, in my personal opinion, um, especially in America, there's been a, uh, um, there was a new law a couple of years ago um, federally where they're putting in more funding to keep children um, within their families and promoting more reunification and less removing. Um, right. Does that always happen? Sad, sadly, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but it's, it's definitely a, a push. And I think, you know, personally, it's really important to, to remind people that and to be an advocate for that to um, keep kids within their families, even if it's not their direct mother or father, as long as it's a healthy situation. Yeah. And um, the healthy situation is the most important part. It's yeah critical to your mental health. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that's, and, and adoption is the very first story of our lives really. And it sets, I guess it sets the standard or it sets the ball rolling of what can, what unfolds in the end. So, yeah, having a, a stable, healthy environment is, um, yeah, definitely a good thing. And I guess a lot of the governments around the world have done what they thought was right at the time. Sometimes it hasn't worked. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, that'd, be an, that'd be true. Yeah, uh, I know there was... I won't really go into it, but there was a, there was a period here in Australia in the fifties and sixties where there was some forced adoption issues uh, from the indigenous culture, and the government at the time thought they were doing the right thing. However, it's been proven now that that was the worst thing they could have done was to remove the babies from their family and culture. Um, they've since become known as the stolen generation. Um, but at the time, the government thought they were doing the right thing. So I guess it's always an evolution. Um, and I guess sometimes I wish politicians would openly admit that they changed their mind and were wrong in the first time rather than sticking to whatever they've said something in public. That's just, uh, mm. just something, a bit of an aside, but, um, yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah, it's good. it's good to be passionate, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think without passion, it'd be a dull old life we live. Exactly. I think that's why it's important to talk about those things and let the world be known that, you know, things need to change. Yes. And um, we can't make change without vocalising what was wrong um, and how to improve it. So, yeah, there's a lot of good work being done, which is really good. So what's um, next in your um, story? What's... Uh, whereabouts are you at now and uh, what's coming up? Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> well, my uh, my uh, 
my biological mother's and my relationship is still rocky. Yep. Um, so it's, it's on and off, but I do have a really great relationship with my half brother now. Oh, that's good. We talk a lot and I've seen, and I've gone to visit him a couple of times and I do speak to some other cousins and, um, uncles. So I always like to tell people that, you know, sometimes it might not work out with your direct parents that mm -hmm. you find them, but you think it'll work out with other people in the family. And that those are those connections that you should, you know, hold on to. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, I, I have those connections. I keep advocating for adoptees and try to try to support people and do good work. Well done. And yeah, you're doing great stuff. One thing I do like to, I guess, round off with, I have said in the past, if you were talking to somebody who's in a similar situation to yourself, what advice would you have? But the more I think about that question, I think it might be better if I asked, if you were able to talk to yourself when you were younger, what advice would you give to yourself as a younger person? Um, stop believing in the fantasies. Yeah, I think I um I I held way too much onto that I needed to find out where I came from or else my life would I, like I would always be depressed or I would always like feel like nothing or whatever the negative thought would be. I would tell myself and you know I think that's a very important thing to realize that you know you're not just you know your biological history or you're just your family you know family isn't everything family is what you make it right mm. and the people you choose to have in your life and i think that's really important at least for me and, and for other adoptees to remember that yeah that's right too and is that something that you carry through in your work as a mental health counselor yeah i try i'm you know i i think being an adoptee you're kind of like in a rock and a hard place because mm. we can't have the same type of relationships with family that typical people have right yeah you know like i had said before people can just randomly cut you off for no reason or just choose not to talk to you not to say that it doesn't happen in typical families yeah. but yeah. you know and you know some people don't have good relationships with their adopted family you know and you know some people choose to cut them off or you know or we're always seeking, um, I notice we're always seeking validation from people that we will never get mm. or acceptance, right? Yep. And I think that's a huge thing. Yeah, I guess when you let that go, you are a lot freer than what you could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. It sets you free to a bit, to a degree. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks very much for your time today, tonight. Emily, it's tonight where I am and it's today where you are. Um, it's been uh, fantastic to be able to uh, organise the time to chat about you. Um, is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to, that you'd like to tell us? No, I think that's, that's about it. That's about it? Cool. No worries. Well, in that case, I will thank you very, very much for your time. And talk again soon. Thanks. And that was Emily Segerson, all the way from North Carolina in the United States of America, telling us her adoption story, 
which uh, which rounds out to her giving back in a way that uh, not many people do. So it's a wonderful story of uh, adoption and helping the adopted community. So thank you, Emily, for your time and your work that you're doing. Um, and if you look up Beyond Words, you'll hopefully be able to get in touch and she'll be able to help you as well. And until next time, bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.